Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. I have to be honest, it almost seems pointless to do segments about these two news stories from the end of last week. One from KansasCity.com, video shows three police officers apparently join January 6th protests filing in Kansas case says. I would just like to give a shout out to our good friends over at KansasCity.com, NewsGuard certified, of course, for putting that comma filing in Kansas case says. Yo, there's video of police officers, MPD, these are metropolitan DC police, inciting people to go, go, go and do more. And that's the point, isn't it? They were not just collecting information or acting as undercover operatives in evidence gathering missions or or whatever. They were actively inciting people to commit crimes and not just KansasCity.com, my friends, but I also would like you to see the New York Times.com in Proud Boys January 6th sedition trial, FBI informants abound. I love this. What are they? What, how do they frame it? The unusual number of of informants the FBI had in or near their group. This is exactly what everyone's been saying. It's exactly what most of us know. And that's why I say it's almost pointless to make a video like this. But perhaps you can share this with people who don't believe you. I am not saying that there were not regular old Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol or anything like that. I am saying we have numerous news reports showing that government agents were actively involved in the storming of the Capitol. Now, some important context. Many of you know this, I know. Most of you, uh, some of you may not. There are, other, there are multiple entrances to the Capitol complex, to the Capitol building. And on one side, there was a ton of violence. On another side, there's video of police opening the doors. This resulted in the outright acquittal of one of these January 6th defendants because there's video of the cop waving him in. And he's like, I don't know, man. So what happens is, On one side of the building, you get violence. There's fighting. Now, for the people who came after this, they didn't know what was going on. The problem with these cases that people need to understand, I take you back to Donald Trump's inauguration in 2017, when far left extremists went around rampaging through D.C., smashing windows and setting cars on fire. When the police arrested all of these people, I I would know I was in the group that got arrested after a few hours, got released by a supervisor because I had a press card on me. Yes, I was arrested. People don't seem to understand what arrest means, but I digress. 
I wasn't processed at the station, wasn't taken downtown, as it were. But when they tried prosecuting these people, these Antifa, they said, you can't prove any one of these Antifa people, far leftists, did anything. You can prove that there was damage destruction, but you can't prove who did it. Well, therein lies the big difference between the inauguration of Donald Trump and January 6th, which is really funny because what's the, what, what, what is it? Like the Capitol gets, gets, gets stormed on, on one side of the building. But when Antifa goes around firebombing buildings and cars, it's like, well, you know, I should say a little, little hyperbolic. I'll say this. They set a, you can look up the videos. They set fires on the streets. They set vehicles on fire, smashing windows all over the city, but they weren't inside a building. Here's what happens. Those people, no, you can't charge them because you can't prove it. And in fact, they sued and the city had to pay them. When it came to January 6th defendants, what happens is, yes, some people storm in the building, but there are a lot of people who show up 20, 30 minutes later, like what's going on? And they walk up following a crowd of people of which they see no violence. Violence had happened earlier. Now, there was a a massive crowd in the front where there was violence. We all know that. And it was bad. And those people should be prosecuted justly. But there was a side of the building where people were just let in by cops. And there are people saying, thank you, officer. Thank you. And the cops saying, I don't agree with it, but I respect your rights to come and protest. So meanwhile, when all this is going down, the question is, who was Ray Epps? Why were the barricades torn down? Who tore them down? Who started the storming of the Capitol? Well, there's a guy named Ray Epps. Most of you know, again, some of you may not. Important context before we get into this story. And he's seen telling people to go in the building. And for some reason, he's never been charged, despite the fact he is one of the first people to tear down, the, to, to storm the, the, the property, the complex. Once the barricades come down, he whispers into a guy's ear. The guy pushes the barricade down. He runs in. Not been charged. Let's read this story. And I'll break down for you what Kansas City and the New York Times are saying. But before we get started, my friends, I need your help. Timcast, I have released a new song over at TrashHouseRecords.com. Click the link in the description below and download Bright Eyes. The last three songs that we released have all charted on Billboard. And that is unheard of for musicians. Typically, they release a bunch of songs and maybe one might if they get lucky. Maybe some of your bands never even charted. We've charted three of three. I'm hoping that we can do the same. If you believe in us, if you like our music, especially buy Bright Eyes at TrashHouseRecords.com. We got banned from a website called Bandcamp, which is an overly woke music hosting site. So now we're using a different platform that we have set up. I think they're scared. They don't care when we complain about things. They don't care that I'm telling you this stuff about January 6th. They care when we start building culture and succeeding doing it. How are they going to keep us out of the new? Like, think about it this way. We had three songs released, all three charted on Billboard. One was number one in sales, in digital sales. And they try not to report on it. Sooner or later, someone's going to be like, hey, are you guys getting What's going on with this? Who are these musicians? Tom McDonald, for instance, they keep hitting Billboard and succeeding, and they're not reporting on it. We're going to take over. Parallel economy, building culture. TrashHouseRecords.com. Support us by buying our song. You name your price, 69 cents, whatever. If we can sell a few thousand of these things per day, and I think we can with your support, we're going to smash the charts and then we'll go four of four. And we're trying to get to the point where we can prove to people you can succeed working with us. Get rid of these woke labels. Work with us. Let's read the news. We got this from KansasCity.com. They report three police officers appear to be among those chanting, drain the swamp and whose house, our house, 
As protesters invaded the Capitol on January 6th, the government said in a federal court document filed, filed Friday, the actions were recorded on GoPro video by a metro, metropolitan police officer stationed at the Capitol in an evidence gathering capacity, the document said. The government's filing involves the case of a Kansas man charged with multiple felonies in connection with the Capitol riot. William Pope of Topeka, who is representing himself, has asked the judge to release videos in his case that he says shows undercover metropolitan police officers inciting protesters to breach the Capitol on January 6th. The footage from the Metropolitan Police Department Electronic surveillance unit captures the officers shouting the words to the effect of go, 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 and keep going, keep going, apparently to the individuals in front of him on the balustrade of the U.S. Capitol's Northwest Staircase around 2.15 p.m. Other times in these videos, the officers and other two uh, and two other plainclothes officers with him appear to join the crowd around them in various chants to include drain the swamp USA, 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 and whose house, our house. Now, all that all that really matters here is whose house, our house borders on incitement, telling these people it's your house. However, the go, 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 keep going, keep going right there is direct incitement from police. You got some guy doesn't know what's going on and they're saying, go, go, go. And he's like, OK, the police told people to do that. That's weird. The government filed the document. After U.S. District Judge Rudolph Contreras ordered prosecutors to respond to reports that other media outlets would be given the same access to more than 40,000 hours of Capitol Police surveillance footage that House Republicans recently gave to Fox uh, Fox News host Tucker Carlson. He then showed dozens of clips on his program downplaying the violence and portraying protesters as mostly peaceful. Tucker Carlson is absolutely correct. Mostly peaceful. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of violence on one side of the building. But for people on the other side of the building who had no idea what was going on, and Tucker's correct about this, there was a permitted rally. You even hear Alex Jones saying, don't go, don't go in. They're going to make that the story. Brandon Strzok, who was actually charged over this, even though he never went in the building, said a lot of people don't realize this. He's standing on a staircase where the cops are letting people in, and he has no idea on the other side. People are fighting. So then later when he leaves, they're like, you were involved. And he's like, involved in what? What happened? He's like, I didn't see any of that. And that was true for so many people who were led in the building, walking around, taking pictures. They had no idea. Did you know that you can go to the Capitol complex basically any day and just walk in the building? You walk up, you open the door and they do a security screening. You walk around. In fact, in uh, uh, some of these buildings, I don't know about the Capitol building itself, but in the Capitol complex, because we did a couple shows from Congress in the past couple of weeks with Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates. They got a subway. They have an they have like a public ice cream thing. You can like walk in and there's a Subway restaurant in the building. And I'm like, I'm walking down the hallway and I'm like, you smell? It smells like Subway. And like, oh yeah, Subway's right there. I'm like, in Congress? Yes. In Congress, there is a Subway. I think there's a Dunkin' Donuts. There's like an, there's an area with a bunch of ice cream in the congressional building. It's amazing, isn't it? So you have those things. For a lot of people, they're like, I don't know, man. There are rules. Don't get me wrong. You're not supposed to be there after hours, but buildings close. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. 
They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Last week, the top lawyer for U.S. Capitol Police filed a sworn affidavit saying House Republicans have disregarded the agency's request to examine and approve every January 6th video clip they intended to make public. Thomas DiBiase said he learned through a media report on February 20th that his staff from Carlson's show had gained, had granted access to the footage. Of the many snippets played during Carlson's shows on March 6th and 7th, DiBiase said, probably pronouncing that wrong, by the way, I was shown only one clip before it aired. Contreras ordered Capitol Police to file the affidavit after delaying a ruling earlier this month on the on Pope's request to release the sealed videos. The judge said that before issuing a ruling, he wanted to know more about news reports that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy planned to make the Capitol security footage available to the broader public and to lawyers of defendants charged in the insurrection. The insurrection, they say. The debate over the release, blah, 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 blah. No media organization. We get it. We get it. The most important thing is we're finally now seeing video of police, of MPD. This is Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia telling people to keep going, keep going, go, go, go. In what context, in what circumstance does that make sense? If they are gathering evidence, they should say nothing. And if they're, if they're police officers, in any right, they should be saying, stop, stop, don't, don't. Why are the police telling people to do this? Sorry, man. There's no excuse play any game you want. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of liberals being like, they're just trying to fit in and play the part. They can't stop an insurrection. Don't know, don't care. If the police are telling people to do it, the police are directly involved in inciting the insurrection. And the news about from the, from the New York Times, I love this. The most recent informant to emerge in the trial is a Texas-based activist who becomes uncommonly close to some of the defendants, their lawyers and relatives. They say the unusual number too many of them, too many of them, too many informants in the Proud Boys who was telling them to do these things. And that's the craziest thing to me. Law enforcement should be stopping this, plain and simple, just stopping it. If there were informants in the Proud Boys, the only thing they should be permitted to say is no, don't. That's it. But this is the FBI. This is what they do. They go to some dude and they say something like, do you need the supplies? We'll get it all for you. You can do it creating the opportunity. We're still with the Metropolitan Police telling people to go, go, keep going, keep going. Imagine if we had undercover law enforcement and they acted as a deterrent force and then later said, these men were discussing plans to commit a crime. We tried to stop them and they said no. Then I'd be like, wow, lock them up. I mean, think about it. You get these stories where the FBI is like, hanging out with some guy and they're like, hey, don't you want to do this thing? And the guy's like, yeah, I did. Hey, we can get all the things you need to do. And they go, okay, aha, we got you. I'm like, what are you kidding me? That's entrapment. I mean, it's not legally entrapment. Entrapment has to be with with coercion. People don't understand this. Entrapment would be like if an FBI agent said, if you don't do this, I will do X. Some kind of coercive pressure. 
But if they say something like, if you want to do X, I'll get you whatever you need. They're creating a circumstance that does not exist. And their argument is, but sooner or later, somebody would. Now, I'll tell you this. If there was a guy who said, boy, I really want to do this thing. And the FBI said, hey, man, you really shouldn't do that. And he went, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Then when they arrest him and they show evidence and said, no matter how much we tried to discourage this guy, he was hell bent on doing it. Then I'd be like, well, you know, okay, but that's not what this is. And it's never this way. Now, let me tell you what gets really scary in all of this, right? Aside from the fact that we're getting hard evidence that the government's basically involved in organ. Well, I don't know if that's surprising at all because the FBI does this stuff all the time. I'll tell you what really worries me is stuff like this. I see this video, some random account. This is what Project Veritas didn't want you to see when they ousted James O'Keefe. January 6th was a setup, an inside job. Take a listen to darling AOC talking to Pelosi. Listen to Pelosi. This is treason at least. Obviously fake video. But I've seen it shared by a, by a few people. I've seen it pop up. And this is what really has me worried. This is a deep fake video where people keep... So, so here's the real one. James O'Keefe posted this video where he says, with Tucker's revelations about January 6th and your statements as an NYT reporter last year. Let, actually, let me, sh- let me show you the James O'Keefe video first. James O'Keefe releases a video of him talking to a reporter. Quote, there were a ton of FBI informants who attacked the Capitol and the left's overreaction in some places were so over the top. They, media, were making too big a deal of January 6th. They were making this an organized thing that wasn't. Maybe you'll reconsider speaking on the record about, uh, to me about this now. Again, stress uh, the point. A reporter for the New York Times said there were tons of FBI informants who attacked the Capitol. Quote, there were a ton of FBI informants who attacked the Capitol from a New York Times journalist. Three million views. James O'Keefe posted this video. Let me play it for you. Oh, let me make sure. I, I always do this with the audio. You guys are probably like, uh oh, Tim's going to play a video. He's going to have the audio on the wrong channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. About January 6th. And I would like your comment for the story. We're launching this night. It doesn't look good. It's about January 6th. Uh, quote, it was like me and two other colleagues who were there on January 6th outside, and we were just having fun. But I know I'm supposed to be traumatized, but like all these colleagues who are in the Capitol building were like, oh my God, it was so scary. I'm like, off. What do you want? It's just, I'd like your comment. I'm, I'm, I'm a, you're not gonna, you've already commented. You're already on tape. We're going to We're gonna do you, you justice. And if you think I'm giving you a hit job, I'd like you to tell me why. Who are you texting right now? I'm trying to text people. But you knew that you were being spoken to. And, and yet, do I, will I stand by those comments? Absolutely. You will stand by the comments. I mean, I don't know what comments. You're going to the comments. I, I'll show you. It's not a big deal as they're making it. They were making it too big a deal. They're making it this organized thing that it wasn't. Uh, there's a tug of war. This is a quote from you. Quote, tug of war at the New York Times between reasonable people and some of the crazy leftist shit, unquote. So would you be willing to sit down with me and speak on the record about this? No way. Why not? You know, come on. There's no way you're willing to speak to me. You got me in a bar in a social situation. Like, I'll over here on conversation. Like, look, if you're talking in public, it's fair game. So this is the video that James O'Keefe actually put out in reference to news about FBI informants and things like that. And I want to make sure I stress this. Quote, there were tons, there were a ton of FBI informants who attacked the Capitol. The left's overreaction in some places were so over the top. Project Veritas captured this. James O'Keefe captured this. And um, this guy's basically saying they were having fun outside 
and the FBI, FBI informants attacked the Capitol. There's a tug of war in the New York Times between reasonable people and crazier leftists. We know, we understand that, that internal politics thing. James O'Keefe puts out this video. I think this is fantastic. This is from March 11th, where he sits down with this, with this uh, journalist, all Matt NYT, Matthew Rosenberg. Matthew Rosenberg, look, he's on the record. He's flat out said, if, you, if it's in public and overheard, it's fair game. That's what James O'Keefe showed. I think this guy should speak up and, and speak more and stop letting these people ruin the good name of journalism. But that brings me back to the previous video and, and what I find to be actually scary is that someone took this video from James O'Keefe because it was going viral. And I've seen this shared from a few people because it looks like the same video, only it's a total deep fake. It's actually kind of hilarious. I'm not going to play it, but this is what worries me. I believe that the person who made this video is actually is more likely to be a leftist. It's a video where there is fake AOC talking with uh, Biden and I think Pelosi saying like, no one fears us. We need to get on top of this. These people need to be arrested. And, and Joe Biden being like, let the men handle this Ocasio-Cortez. And it's just complete and utter nonsense. The problem is people are going to believe it. And, and we're going to have to push through this stuff and fight the fake news that's coming out of AI generated crap. There's a video going viral right now from Lincoln Project. I, I say going viral, but it doesn't really mean anything anymore. Getting shared by the leftists where Ron DeSantis is asked where he was on 9-11. He wasn't asked his physical location. He was talking about his career and where he was in his life. And he says, I don't know. I was just, you know, getting out of school. And the Lincoln Project says he doesn't remember where he was on 9-11. They're lying. Of course, context was added by Birdwatch on Twitter that says he was referring to where he was in his life. He wanted a great detail about where he was physically and what happened after 9-11 and why he then joined the Navy because of it. But this is the point. In the past, they would they would play this dirty game. They still do where they would edit you out of context for political points and get away with it. Now they will make fake videos using AI generated voices to lie about who you are. And they don't need to take anything out of context. They will just make the video and they'll do things like, is this real? Did this really happen? And people will fall for it. It's creepy and it's crazy. Let me show you this um, sort of a uh, so I, I, I don't know if there's a bigger story here, but, and this is sort of off, uh, off topic, but it, it, it falls in line with it. This is a, a tweet from Justine Moore. Something wild is happening on the MidJourney subreddit. People are telling stories and sharing photos of historic events like the Great Cascadia earthquake that devastated Oregon in 2001. The kicker, it never happened. The images are AI generated. Now, you can still tell the images are AI generated, typically because AI can't make language. If you look at the helmet, there's a picture of a woman wearing a vest standing over rubble, and you can see on her helmet, it's just gibberish. In the next image, it's at, it looks like some kind of news reporter standing in front of a massive pile of rubble. Now, of course, the text in the background, you can tell. But as we get into this crazier and crazier AI-generated imagery, in this world of AI-generated imagery, we are going to have to contend with the fact that history will be rewritten and fabricated. You will see videos of, of Joe Biden. And you know what's funny? If this technology is not in the, in the public sphere, you think the military didn't have this capability 10 years ago? We are entering a period where you don't even know if your politician's a real person. You'll see a video of John Smith and say, listen, we cannot allow this. Have you ever seen him in person? And, and we're at that point now where the videos can all be fabricated. Now, I'm not saying any politicians are fake AI-generated people. Don't be surprised, though. 
if we get to a period where that actually happens, where there is no John Smith, but you see him on TV, you see him in interviews, you see him in news clips, people, just regular people can do this now. And we're seeing these fake videos pop up. It's going to get substantially worse. So right now, as we struggle to understand what happened with January 6th and who are the police that attacked this building and who are the FBI informants that incited or enabled people to do this, you have to contend with the fact that we're entering a period where this will go into court record. I want to tell, I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. Little secret. Okay, I got to keep it vague, though. I, I, uh, uh, let's just say I can state definitively it has already happened in a court of law that judges have ruled deep fake images and AI are admissible unless you can prove they're not real. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply well how do you prove a video is not real or audio is not real if they have a recording of your voice and they present it before a court and you say that's not a real recording and in the recording it's a, a recording of you saying yeah i consent to this recording yeah, here's the thing. ABC one, two, three. There has already been circumstances where judges have said that audio is allowed. I can't get into great detail, but holy crap. No joke. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Don't forget, if you really want to support us, trashhouserecords.com. Depending on where you get your news from, you probably think different things are happening in Eastern Europe, and it's hard to know exactly what's going on because we're being slammed by the propaganda. We got the story from Al Jazeera. Putin says Russia will deploy nuclear weapons in Belarus. Russian president says deals struck with Belarusian counterpart would not violate nuclear non-proliferation agreements. The nukes will be placed just north of Ukraine, and boy, are things starting to heat up. The UK has deployed depleted uranium tank busters, large artillery shells that are uh, made with depleted uranium. It's more dense than lead, and it rips through these, uh, uh, these tanks. Now, Russia has basically warned that you use that, you're opening the door to nuclear war. And now Putin's doing this. But you know what's really funny about all this? Donald Trump's been warning us. He's warning us now. Trump warns of nuclear escalation after Russia announces it will move tactical missiles into Belarus. You may be saying, but Tim, it's all bluster. Nothing will happen. And then we have 
Quote, Putin negotiated guarantees for his safety with President Xi in case he loses power, will shelter in China and a non uh, and a non extradition uh, extradition agreement. Ukraine believes. I agree. I, I do think this is correct. You've got this story of Putin and Xi shaking hands. Xi Jinping of China saying we have not seen a deal like this in 100 years. And it may not just be it, it may be not just about war. It could be about oil. Because now we're starting to see China do these deals with other countries to trade for oil in yuan, their currency, and not the U.S. dollar, something we've not seen in a very long time, could destroy the American economy because it's, it's, it's a house of cards. It's BS. And so I would say perhaps nuclear war is the least of our worries because a post-apocalyptic world may not come when bombs fall on cities, but when economies crumble, if people stop repairing buildings, if people stop providing health care, if people stop making food, then you will see the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Let's read about what's going on with the deployment of nuclear weapons and what many fear is already World War III. I don't know, the Pope said it a while ago. This has been going on for like a year now. And this is what war is like. It sounds like something in a far off distant land, but it's heating up. It's getting crazier. I hope it doesn't escalate to that point. But with this talk about these new oil deals, I think we're in it. The United States will not back off and let China take over as the reserve currency of the world. The deep state would blow the world up before allowing that to happen. And oh, there are some deep, deep questions you need to ask yourself about what this means, whether you want to live in squalor, you want to live as the empire, or maybe in a great America that cares about America with a president like Donald Trump. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TrashHouseRecords.com and purchase the new song that we have just put out. It is written and performed by me as well as a few others here like Carter Banks, Ian Crossland, Pete Parada. Download at your own price, 69 cents minimum. The first three songs we released have all charted on Billboard, something most musicians only dream of. And it's because you guys, you guys like the music, you buy the music, or maybe you're just buying it to support us outright. But we're trying to build and change the culture. And admittedly, our musical endeavors are limited right now to four songs that I wrote. And we want to expand this. We want to tell these musicians who are working or signed to woke labels, you don't need to be with them. You are more likely to succeed with us. This is our fourth song. I want to see if we can get this one to hit Billboard, and we'll need your support to do it. All you got to do is buy the song for 69 cents at TrashHouseRecords.com. If we get enough people to buy it, then we'll be able to go to other emerging artists and say, our network is more powerful, and we will find, your song will find more success than if you go to these woke record companies. We got to build it. If you build it, they will come. TrashHouseRecords.com. Here's the news from Al Jazeera. Russian President Vladimir Putin has said that Moscow struck a deal with neighboring Belarus to station tactical nuclear weapons on its territory. Putin announced on Saturday, his announcement on Saturday comes as tensions grow with the West over the Ukraine war and some Russian commentators speculate about possible nuclear strikes. The deal with Belarus would not violate nuclear non-proliferation proliferation agreements, Putin said, adding that the United States had stationed nuclear weapons in the territory of its European allies for decades. Quote, we agreed that we will do the same without violating our obligations. I emphasize without violating our international obligations on the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons. Sure, but he's literally doing that. Not like the United States 
does less. Putin told state television that Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko had long raised the issue of stationing tactical nuclear weapons in his country, which borders NATO member Poland. Russia will have completed the construction of a storage facility for tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus by July 1st, Putin said, adding that Russia would not actually be transferring control of the arms to Minsk. Minsk. Russia has already stationed 10 aircraft in Belarus capable of carrying tactical nuclear weapons, and it's transferred a number of Iskander tactical missile systems, which can be used to launch nuclear weapons, the Russian president added. The U.S., the world's other nuclear superpower, I mean, I mean, look, we are, but other countries have nukes too, reacted cautiously to Putin's statement, with a senior administration official saying there were no signs Moscow planned to use its nuclear weapons. We have not seen any reason to adjust our own strategic nuclear posture, nor any indications Russia is preparing to use a nuclear weapon. We remain committed to the collective defense of the NATO alliance. Now, here's what I think is important. I don't think it, it matters whether or not they're moving nukes or anything like that, because warfare is developing well beyond nuclear weapons. I think we're more likely to see infrastructure attacks and cyber attacks. However, nuclear weapons are just another kinetic tool in the arsenal of many of these countries. And while it may be more effective to use social media to manipulate a population into destroying itself, sometimes if it's not going fast enough, you just got to drop a nuke. More importantly, What's going on in Ukraine with Russia is not about bombing D.C. or anything like that. It's not about nuking New York or Warsaw. It's about gaining control of Ukraine. So I think the most likely scenario is going to be the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine specifically to destroy and demoralize. Vladimir Putin reportedly is sending in antique tanks. Now, I don't know if this stuff is true. Maybe it's just propaganda. Russia has been caught sending 75-year-old Soviet-era tanks to fight in Ukraine after losing an estimated 2,000 tanks amid the conflict, and the U.S. is sending its own vintage tanks, too. So everyone's pulling out the stops. The U.S. is sending vintage tanks. Russia is as well. If Russia runs out of weapons, do you think they will simply just go, uh, well, I guess we lost the war, or will Putin say, if we don't got the weapons, turn that country into, into ash and salt, and then we will come and secure it after the fact. Vladimir Putin doesn't need farmland. Vladimir Putin doesn't need Kiev. He doesn't need cities. And he doesn't need the Ukrainian people. He needs the land bridge to Crimea. He needs access to a warm water port. He needs access to the Mediterranean. So I wonder if we will get to that point where the war escalates and he just says enough. Enough people are dying. We're going to pepper the, the, the eastern, eastern Ukraine and just take this land bridge. That would be worrying. Trump's warning us. Donald Trump warned of nuclear escalation due to incompetent people in the U.S. government Monday morning. Here we go. Just as I predicted, now we're playing with the big stuff. The N-word is now being used front and center. (laughs) Oh, Trump. Was he talking about Nazi this time? He wrote on Truth Social. No, he's talking about uh, nuclear weapons. The situation was caused by us. It's what happens when you have incompetent people running your government. All I can say to you right now is pray. Moscow has had to complete the construction of a special storage facility for tactical nuclear weapons in July, Putin told state broadcaster Russia One. Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, a staunch supporter of the invasion, has long asked for the weapons on the territory, Putin said during an interview on Russian state television. So this is town hall 
NATO responds to Putin's latest nuclear announcement. And Trump says, here we go. All I can say is pray. Trump is right. Pray, man. Pray it does not escalate because the UK is already deploying depleted uranium rounds. And that's radioactive. And now Vladimir Putin's like, then we're going to move in the nukes too. Where does this go? It won't go anywhere but bad for everyone. We need to pray. I staunchly believe that if Donald Trump becomes president in 2024, there will be no escalation of this war. But we need to talk about what that means for you. And if you're willing to accept the reality, I have this tweet from the redheaded libertarian Josie on Twitter. It's gone very viral with over 20,000 retweets and 6 million views. Josie writes, probably the most important story happening right now has gotten virtually no attention. So let's give it attention. Saudi Arabia and Iran, Sunni and Shiite Muslim are sworn enemies. Yet China just brokered a peace deal between them, China. But wait, there's more. Saudi Arabia is, t- is talking about settling their oil trades in the yuan, replacing the dollar. This is in spite of being allied with the U.S., but I'm not done yet. There is also discussion of Saudi Arabia and Iran joining the BRICS alliance, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Quote, but Josie, what are the consequences of that? That would mean all of the major oil producing countries in the world would be part of the same alliance. These countries also make up half of the global population. And I imagine there would be a level of protection safeguarding Iran from American invasion. Most apparent, there is no need or room for the U.S. in this new boys club. There is no seat at the table of this super alliance. For those who cannot see the catastrophe the deep state has made of our, for, of our country, our values and our global status, who take our Bill of Rights for granted, spend all the time and resources prosecuting political dissenters and victimize themselves over sins they never experienced because they have they have it so damn good. They have to sit here and make up ways to self-exploit. I just don't think there is saving these people. Six million views. And it's actually kind of scary because it's right. It's it, it's true. Here is a clip from Fox News. Let's play a little bit of this. The Chinese yuan uh, for international payments instead of the dollar. Saudi Arabia is also in talks with Beijing to do the same thing. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, meanwhile, they are in talks uh, with Iran as well to consider an economic alliance with China in Russia. And they can even be joining the BRIC countries, which is an acronym for these countries here, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. These countries all have emerging economies. So what happens if our economy and the U.S. dollar are no longer the world's dominant currency? Former Assistant Treasury Secretary and host of the Monica Crowley podcast, Monica Crowley, is here. Let me tell you, the United States produces nothing. Okay, that, that's a bit hyperbolic. We produce culture. We do produce some things. We're trying to build uh, uh, chips, uh, computer chips here, because we get them from Taiwan. The U.S. manufactures military might. With the use of the military industrial complex and the fact that we are the dominant superpower in the world of the fall of the Soviet Union, everybody's got to buy oil with U.S. dollars. That's just the way it works. And if you don't, we blow you up. I believe Saddam Hussein had some interest in trading in, what did he want to do, euro or something like that? Maybe it wasn't euro. He wanted to trade off the dollar. He died. You know, whatever. Then there was Gaddafi. I believe Gaddafi wanted to trade in gold dinar. I think he also wanted to create like an African union or something like that. Yeah, he died. 
blew him up, destabilized those countries and just made a mess of things. If these countries, if their leaders ever decide that they will try and get off the dollar, this is what happens. Now, fortunately for countries like Iran, it is a very large and mountainous country that's particularly hard to invade. It ain't no small thing. Iran is not Iraq or Afghanistan. It is not this desperate desert nation with limited resources. It is sophisticated, it is advanced, it is, it is powerful enough. Not the most. Sanctions have caused very serious problems for Iran. And now Iran is turning to China saying, we'll take what we can get. If the US dollar is dropped as the reserve, your standard of living will collapse. And Donald Trump knows this. Seeing the writing on the wall, let me stop. Here's my worldview. Here's what I think happens. I think Donald Trump sees what's happening and he says, NATO's not paying its fair share. The U.S. economy is propped up by bombs and these rival nations are expanding so rapidly economically, they're going to displace us. We need to secure our borders. We need to bring back American exceptions. We need to make America great again. We need to bring back manufacturing, bring back jobs and start building back up before we get wiped out. Unfortunately, deep state elements and Democrats want short term extraction of the system for power. That's what it's all about. It's funny because you had that video of Billy Porter. He's like, they're trying to ban children's, dra- ban children's drag shows because they want power. Huh? What does that have to do? No. Trying to stop the January 6th committees because Democrats are trying to get power. They're trying to stop Donald Trump from winning an election. He's a popular guy. Gain 12 million more votes. We'll see what happens in 2024. This country does not manufacture enough. What we do have is the ability to create more dollars. So if you want to buy oil and you're from the UK, you got to buy dollars first. Why would we want to buy from you, UK? What have you? Oh, you have to produce things that we want to buy. And if we don't want to buy, you don't get any oil. So what happens when all these nations start trading in Chinese yuan? All of a sudden there's competition. Competition opens up. These countries will say, you look, we can't get U.S. dollars from you. They're worthless. We're going to go to China instead. We'll get a better deal. You know what you will see? Overnight, your food costs will skyrocket. You will struggle more than you've ever experienced. The true reality of the Ameri- American economy will befall you. And that is because we don't produce things, because we don't export enough, the dollar doesn't really have that value. And we're not going to get a fair deal on oil. Look at everything Trump did securing our borders, bringing back manufacturing and trying to produce energy. He was saying making America great again isn't just about the traditions of the country. It's about the economy and the strength and the resilience. If we do not have the ability to produce and export goods, if we do not have a strong economy, if we cannot produce core products in this nation, when the war comes, we will lose. And the war is coming. I mean, the war is here in Eastern Europe. The reason I think the U.S. is so engaged is that we are trying to maintain global military hegemony, the ability to just control what every other country does, buy with dollars or perish. But I remember last year, Anthony Blinken met with his his Chinese counterpart who looked at him and said, you are not negotiating from, from a position of strength. China telling the U.S. to shove off. We can do what we want. And there is nothing you can do to stop it. That's the scary thing. They call it Thucydides' trap. 
When a rising economic power is on the verge of supplanting the dominant economic power, war erupts. And that's what we are looking at right now. The question is, are they trying to avoid it by having the U.S. collapse intentionally? I don't I don't know. We've called it a controlled demolition, but I wonder if it's just mismanagement. Because I don't believe the deep state will let China just take over. I think they'll fire Z missiles before that happens. I think the United States will say, if you try to displace us, we will end you. But it's hard to know for sure, because there is also the strong possibility that it is true, a controlled demolition of the United States to prevent Trump or anyone else from saving this nation because they want China to take over as the new dominant power. They want Chinese style communism where they have centralized control and no one can disobey. And that makes sense. And I think that makes a lot of sense. That's why they're stopping Trump. Not because Trump was going to cause this country to collapse, but because Trump was going to maintain the United States as the dominant global power. He was going to make sure that Americans lived good lives. He was going to make sure that America wins. But the deep state, I mean, you look at Joe Biden, family members getting money from China, private equity deals, uh, guaranteed loans that are forgivable, flights on government property, Air Force Two, to China for private equity deals. It all starts to add up. It looks like elements and interests in the United States sold us out to China, started hedging their bets, saying China's going to win. There's no point in fighting. It's a rising economic power. Let's put our money in that country. Think about it this way. 20 years ago, if you invested in China, land, manufacturing, right now, you did pretty well for yourself, didn't you? Can you say the same for the United States? I suppose there's Bitcoin. That's not really about the United States. I mean, if you made the right investments, you got rich. Everybody's an opportunity to get rich. But I think right now, with the way the market is going, you've got these powerful elites that are looking at the United States is going to fall. We're going to bet elsewhere. I just saw, uh, I just watched Casino Royale for the first time, the James Bond movie, because it has that ridiculous poker scene. But it's from 2006, so spoiler alert, I guess, a nearly 20-year-old movie. There's this financier who buys put options on a, an, an airline, manufa- on a jet manufacturer, and then hires a terrorist to try and blow up their prototype to, to tank their stock and then make millions off the put options. But Bond stops him. Think about what that means. There, it is an idea common to bet on the failure of a company and then make it fail. It's like a boxing match. When you, when you, when you know a dude's going to throw the match and lose on purpose, you make a million dollar bet he loses. Dude loses on purpose. You split the cash with the fighter. He's like, I'm out. Oh, no, I lost. What do you think about politicians? You think they don't do that at the higher levels? They cut a deal with China and they say, hey, look, you give us a billion dollars, we knock the United States off its pedestal. How does that work? That's why I don't trust the Biden family. I trust Trump. Trump had no reason to be president. Trump, he was, he's rich. You know, I, I get people, whether jokingly or not, mentioning me running or whatever, and I'm like, I run a company that makes a lot of money. I think it's, it's, a, it's a powerful fight. Tucker Carlson, better example. He should run. It's like, but he's making a lot of money and he's extremely influential. Who's going to do his show if he's running for office? You need his voice. So think about the kind of person that wants to run for office and how they will benefit themselves in that position. And that's the risk for Trump to walk away from just being a billionaire 
so he could work as president, donate his salary. I think that speaks. I, I, I think it says a lot. It says a lot. Hopefully we do not enter a nuclear war, my friends, but it may be coming. I hope you got chickens. Get ready. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. I saw this tweet from Elijah Schaefer talking about success in the feminist utopia. It's a video of a woman on TikTok talking about how she's over 30. She's lonely. She's trying to focus on her mental health, but all her friends are getting married and having families, and she's missing out on this. And sure enough, it's a, a common thread that's been around basically forever. You know, so I've done a couple of videos because these videos have popped up and gone viral from time to time of a woman crying on social media that she's over 30 and struggling to find love. And I'm just like, you know, look, talking about it once because there's an interesting idea in social media apps, dating, hookup culture and stuff is interesting. But then I see another clip from Elijah of the same thing. And so I'm just like, OK, are we going to are we going to see this every single time? I mean, like any time a woman comes out and says she's over 30 and struggling. It's a common trope. So much so there's an article from EV magazine of another woman talking about over 30 dating is awful. Over 30 dating in LA is awful just over and over again. And then she tells the story about how, yes, she's over 30 and she's struggling to find anyone who wants to be with her. So I want to show you this video. I want to show you what this woman says. And we'll talk about this because we have an article actually writing up what it's like. But I just want to make sure you all understand this. Here is a video from a group called Garfunkel and Oates, and it's these two women. The song is called 2931, and it's about, it's, it's a song sung from the perspective of a woman who is 29, and then from a woman who is 31. I'm not going to play the song for you because it's shrill, and it, it probably would just hurt your ears. I'm not trying to be mean to them. That's part of the joke. So basically, the woman who's 29 is like, the world is great, and everyone loves me. I have all the opportunities in the world. And then it goes to the chorus and the woman who's 31 is like, there's nobody left. I'm alone. My ovaries are shriveling up. And it's just like, these are women making this joke. They, they understood this before they reached their 30s. And, uh, and, and here we are. So here's the video that uh, Elijah Schaefer played. It's, it, it, this is basically it. It's, it's this woman playing this music and she's walking on a treadmill. So there's no real point in playing the video. It's just a woman with a bunch of makeup on, I guess, and it's sad, and she's exercising with makeup on or something? Okay, well, anyway. It says, I'm 33, I live alone, I'm single. All my friends have kids and husbands. I don't like drinking anymore. But I live in a city where it seems to be the only activity to do. My mental and physical health are my main priority right now. For the most part, I am happy, but sometimes I get lonely doing everything by myself. The reason why I want to talk about this is because looking at a person a, and it is typically women because guys don't seem to care. I guess it's like a biological clock thing. What were you doing with your life to where you're at this point right now is the interesting question. And I also think there's something important to point out that men and women are different and women are they have a certain amount of time to have a family. Men kind of do, but sort of don't like dudes in their 70s can still have kids. So guys just don't really care about it the same way women do. And guys, they say, uh, uh, uh well, let's put it this way. Guys who get older can still attract younger women. So they're just like, as they get older, they have more opportunity with younger women. But here, here, here's my question, because I'm a dude, right? And this is what I'm thinking about. When I was in my uh, teens, 20s, I'm working. I'm working a lot on various things, constantly trying to improve, progress, be better than I was the day before. I'm wondering what these women were doing. Was it the same? I mean, I, I mean that quite literally, like, 
Is is that what women do in their 20s? And is that what's causing this this problem for these women? Because it used to be like men would work jobs and women would focus on relationships and then they'd end up together. Women were subject oriented. Men were object oriented. And so if there were a bunch of women who were trying to figure out which man they wanted to marry and a bunch of men were working jobs, then it was easy for the man to be like, this woman is pretty good. She wants to get married. The women did the work for most for the most part in the relationship. I'm not saying it's a good thing. And the men were the breadwinners. That's how it used to be. But if both men and women today are in their teens and 20s working on career, there is a major problem emerging for women that won't emerge for men. And that is, well, and don't get me wrong, it is a problem for men, but not as much. If men and women both enter the workforce and they're both doing the same thing, men are just like, look, honestly, by the time I'm 35 and I'm making a good salary and I own my own car, maybe buying my own house, if I'm still dating, I'll date a woman who's 28 or 29. I think, uh, what did I just see? I just saw an article about Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, and now they're close to becoming billionaires. And Ryan Reynolds is 46 and Blake Lively is 35. So when Ryan Reynolds was 36, she was 25. And that's normal in society to a certain degree. I mean, some people might have that age gap is pretty big, but older dudes dating younger women tends to be fairly normal. So if a woman spends all of her time in her late teens and early 20s working on career, it's going to be a lot harder for her once she once she hits 30, when the guy, a guy the same age is just going to go down. And we talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Right. And, and, and this is my point right here. Like, yo, if these lady comedians 10 years ago, 10 years ago can can make this video like talking about what it's like to be a woman, how is it controversial, condescending, insulting or sexist to point this stuff out? Take a look at this. This is from about a year ago. Woman's viral video on TikTok shows the real consequences of casual dating into your 30s. Thank you. This is like a feminist magazine telling women outright like, dude, if this is what you do, it is going to get bad when you are in your 30s. Ladies, you got to find that guy. You got to lock him down. Get married. That's the point of marriage. So it says, let me introduce you to Camille. She's around 30, lives in LA, and she's in tears over the state of her love life. Why? Well, let her explain. All right, let's play this video. It's about a minute long. I just had like the craziest, saddest thought. Um, I'm in the stage of life where I'm watching all my friends get married and have babies and find love. And I had another talking phase yet again fall through. And... My friend was like, you know, you'll meet the one one day, don't give up. But now I'm at a point where I hope I don't because what happens if I meet him and he wants kids and I'm too old to not be able to give him any? So it's easier for me to say I don't want kids. I'm having like a weird existential crisis. I don't know why I'm posting this on TikTok, but I think I just, I need to know I'm not alone. Yep, she's not. Because there are a bunch of comments on these videos. And I think uh, I think people point them out. Elijah Schaefer shows in response to the original video. No, 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 let me let me pause real quick to that woman who was crying. Dude, I'm so sorry that, you know, you're going through that because it, it, it's a bummer. She doesn't seem like a bad person. And I want to stress this is not about any personal any any personal politics or any individual. I want these women to find what makes them happy. 
I don't know that these women did anything wrong or deserve anything bad. For all you know, this lady's based AF. I don't know. She, maybe she's just a nice, regular person who's working hard. But I do think it's fair to say that modern feminist culture results in a circumstance that puts these women in this position. And I'm not saying it's, it's a good or bad thing. That's up for the window side. There's probably a lot of women who have careers who are in their 30s and they're super rich. Like, you know, look at Chelsea Handler. She's what, 50 something? How old is she actually? Let me, let me make sure I get her age right because maybe she's not in her 50s and then she'll get mad at me, right? She got mad at me already. She's 48. Okay, she's not quite 50. She's 48. And she talks about how she wakes up at 6 a.m., masturbates and does drugs and her life has never been better. Well, good for you, man. But what about this lady who's like, what if I meet Mr. Right and I can't give him kids because I'm too old? Yo, I appreciate this woman for coming out and, and making and sending this message because I hope younger women see it and understand what may happen when they're 33 or whatever and experiencing something similar or to prevent them from experiencing that. That is to say, men and women are different. Dudes might go out party and skateboard and play rock music because they can have kids when they're 50. But for women, it's different. And that's just unfortunate reality for those that would be upset about it, right? So if you're a woman and, you're, and, and you got you to gotta figure it out in your 20s, because you got a lot of, not, not every single woman, I'm not saying, but you've got a lot of women like this who are like, I'm in my 30s and it's getting bad. Take a look at this, some of the comments. In response to this woman on the treadmill saying she's lonely, one woman said, I'm 32 and all of it the same, you're not alone. One woman said, I'm 31 and feel the same. Can we be friends? Absolutely. 33, same boat, same. I'm in the same boat, 35 and absolutely in the same boat. It's reassuring to feel like you're not the only one. There are a lot of single women and uh, they don't want to be is, is the issue. That's the issue to, to the women who want to be single and never want to have kids like that's cool, man. You know, you do your thing. I think it's important, though, that when it comes to understanding the differences between men and women, we we make sure we, sh- we, sh- we share these messages from these women who are like, hey, man, look, this is really hard. I'm having a rough go of it. And I'm sad because that's a message that that younger women need to learn and understand. This hookup culture stuff is really bad, in my opinion. Right. Look at this. Even this is EV magazine. Casual dating was falsely advertised. Casual dating was advertised as something that would empower women. We were told that we didn't need to settle down with a mad. Instead, we should date for fun, embrace our sexuality and have as much meaningless sex as we wanted. We can take birth control. So what is there to worry about? Few, few people ever considered the emotional toll that casual dating would have on women, but the consequences have been dire for not only the women who engage in hookup culture, but even for even those who don't. And I want to make sure we stress this too. Guys are absolutely going to end up in bad positions from this as well. So many dudes are like basement dwellers who've never grown up, failure to launch. This is not just about women. If guys have no responsibility and there's no social pressure to be a provider and to take care of a family, they're going to just sit around playing video games and just never have families. And then a lot of these guys are going to end up out of shape, bored, sad, lonely, just like these women. At least these women, they're in shape because that woman's on a treadmill. So that's one thing you can do. They're going to say, this is EV Magazine, by the way. You're going to think about hookup culture is that while it was supposed to make women equal with men, it ended up exacerbating the very inequalities it was supposed to fix. Men get everything they want and more. Now they can have sex with as many women as they want. They don't have to worry about getting women pregnant. They get to embrace their inner Peter Pan syndrome. Boom, exactly. And they can put off responsibilities for as long as they want, perhaps indefinitely. Meanwhile, women are left feeling empty inside. This is a lose-lose for everybody. You get a bunch of loser Peter Pan dudes who go around banging a bunch of chicks, no responsibility, not a care in the world, playing video games in their one-bedroom apartments, and they're just like, what else could I want? 
It's just bad for everybody. It's the infantilizing of, of, of human civilization. Does Camille seem empowered to you? No, she seems heartbroken. Her TikTok is hard to watch because you feel for her. Maybe you, like many women nowadays, are struggling with exactly the same issues she is. If anything, casual dating has empowered men a lot more than it ever empowered women. Boom, mic drop. That's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, the idea that you can have fun in your 20s and settle down in your 30s might sound like a good idea, but it turns out, as Camilla points out, Camille points out, the men you date in your 30s are no better. The tainted dating pool. One of the unfair realities of life is that men can father children well into their older years while women simply can't. So casual dating in our 20s and 30s isn't as harmful to men as it is to women. Women typically don't have the luxury of waiting until 40 to settle down if they want to have kids. We're naturally on a much shorter childbearing timeline than men. Casual dating has worsened this timeline, inequality, and set women up for heartache later in life. Dude, it's sad. It's a sad reality. Even if you don't engage in casual dating, you're still harmed by it because it taints the entire dating pool. If you want to find real lasting love and settle down, there are fewer viable men for you to choose from because casual dating not only teaches men to expect sex right away, but also that they can live free of any responsibilities that come along with a relationship while still reaping all the benefits. Mic drop, ladies. When presented with the limitless sexual options that casual dating offers, the idea of choosing to settle down with just one woman is unappealing to many men. Evolutionary biologist Brett Weinstein calls this an evolutionary bargain. Casual sex presents men with too good of a deal to pass up. So why would they? <clears throat> how do you feel about they ask? Oh, how do you feel about hookup, hookup culture? I think it's bad for women. <laughs> women get the short end of the casual dating stick. They say women and men process emotions very differently, especially when it comes to sex. We get attached much more uh, easily than men do which makes it very difficult for us to engage in casual sex without emotional consequences. It's not just me saying that's actually been proven by science. Women experience a big boost in oxytocin, the love hormone during sex, <clears throat> which expedites the bonding process for us. The desire for emotional attachment is built into our very DNA. So while men can have casual sex and go on their merry way afterwards, most women find that very hard to do. One of the worst parts about casual dating is that it makes many women feel guilty about their very biology. Modern feminism teaches women that we're exactly the same as men, so we should be able to have all the casual sex we want and not feel a thing. Then when women try that strategy and it backfires, we're made to think there's something wrong with us. What a psychologically torturous notion. Camille mentioned something else in her TikTok that's important. She now feels the need to lie to herself and others about the fact that she wants kids. Man, that's true. She said, like, I'll just pretend I don't want kids. I often wonder, if one of the reasons why fewer and fewer couples are getting married and having children nowadays is not because fewer people want children, but because it has become increasingly difficult to find real love in today's world. And for a woman, it's harder to find the right man while there's still enough time left on her biological clock to bring kids into the picture. Of course, there are many other socioeconomic factors that go into this statistic, but I believe our upside down dating culture is one of them. Women have also been conditioned to think that having children is a lesser goal than chasing a successful career, so they often put off having babies until it's too late. Many of these modern ideas that are meant to empower women end up having the exact opposite effect. Yo, everybody should have kids. And that's, and, and, and I know people are going to be like, Tim, where are your kids? It's personal. But uh, just, just know, I think people should have kids probably in their late 20s, and uh, your career doesn't end. I, I, tons of people I know have tons of kids, and they're ridiculously, ridiculously successful. In fact, like, Everybody's kids, some of the most successful people in the world. 
You know, you take a look at some of the most successful commentators. Ben Shapiro's got a bunch of kids. Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, they got a bunch of kids. They're huge. They're superstars. They have families. You, you don't want to talk about politics? Talk about Casey Neistat. One of the most successful YouTubers in just ever covering magazines, re, re, basically invents vlogging. He didn't invent it, but he like made it. He had a kid when he was a teenager and he's got more kids. I, if, if anything, having a kid makes you fight harder to be better and to succeed for your kids. But there's so many men and women who are like, oh, I don't want to have kids just yet. And especially women got to have career. Well, I feel bad for some of these women because modern feminist culture has created little boys who don't who, who aren't going to be breadwinners. It's created a job market that pits men and women against each other. So the competition means maximum supply of labor force with lower demand. So men get paid less. And then how are you going to have kids if both people are working? It just ain't going to happen. Camille finishes her story by saying, I don't know why I'm posting this on TikTok, but I think I need to know I'm not alone. You're not alone, Camille. Many women feel the exact same way you do. They want the exact same things you do. Love, meaning, family, happiness. These are not unreasonable desires in life, but casual dating and hookup culture undermine every single one of them. That's interesting. EV magazine. I don't know if it's like a feminist, or like a women's magazine or whatever. I think it's a women's magazine. I thought this was like Vice or something, wasn't it? Am I wrong? Health, beauty, whatever. EV magazine. I don't know. I'm surprised to see this at all coming from a modern women's magazine telling them the complete and uh, uh, absolute truth. Life ain't easy. Men and women are not the same thing. They have very, very different lives. Man, I feel really bad for this woman. I mean, she, 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 is, she seems like a nice lady. She seems like a, a, a nice, attractive young woman. Well, I guess she's over 30, so I don't know if young is, is it anymore. You know, I was making the joke because my birthday was a few weeks ago. I'm halfway there. I'm 37. I'm almost, oh man, I'm, I'm on the back end of 30. Oh, oh boy. And I was joking. I was at the poker table and I was like, I'm halfway there. And then all of the old people who were there were like, what? No, you're not. Don't say that. And I'm like, what? Isn't the life expectancy for a, for a U.S. male like 72? And then I think I offended some old dude because he immediately pulled out his phone and checked and at 79.3 or something. I was like, all right, I'm not exactly halfway there, but I'm getting close. The hill is approaching. But I'm a guy. I'm a dude. Not only that, but like, they were like, I thought you were 24. I'm like, well, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I exercise and I eat well. So maybe that's why. You know, it's really funny, too, just as like as, as an aside. Why is it that when you go watch movies from the 90s, people in their 30s look 50? And I'm wondering if it was like they drank a lot, they smoked a lot, and there was lead in the gasoline. Could that have just like aged people and made them look just old? I don't know, man. I don't I, I don't know. I just just as a, a, a funny aside. But this is what we're getting. I'm, I'm sure that I will get a bunch of leftists who will take this video and they'll mock and they'll insult and they'll say it's sexist or whatever. And it's like, yo, I'm here supporting ladies, man. I'm here reading a ladies magazine showing women talking about how they feel. And I'm saying I feel bad for them. I wish them the best. They are correct. Now, how is that misogyny or sexism? That's one of the biggest lies when it comes to modern feminism and when it comes to this leftist cult garbage. They say that men who try telling women to find family are misogynist and sexist, when in fact, it's actually the men trying to help the women. I'm not saying women should not have jobs. I'm not saying women shouldn't strive to be CEOs. I'm not saying every single man on the planet should be a, uh, you know, the head of a fortune, uh, 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 should, should be make, making sandwiches in the kitchen, anything like that. 
I'm saying outright, men and women have different biological expectations, standards, and timelines. And that you should probably listen to your older sisters in life when they say things like this. Because maybe you don't agree. Maybe you're like, mm, I don't feel the same way you do. You know, maybe there's a lady who's like, I just don't want to have kids. It's not going to happen. Hey, man, more power to you. Congratulations. You know, I, I, I hope you start that company and you become a, a lady boss that takes over the industry. And I, I want you to succeed. I want all these women to succeed. But when I see these women on TikTok crying every single day, there's always another video. And I'm like, dude, everyone has always known this. It's the feminists that are lying to these women about modern dating culture that are causing pain and suffering for them. You got to be honest. You can say, hey, look, if you want to go and hook up and do TikTok and all that jazz, man, you do it. Just watch those videos from these ladies and see how they're feeling. You know what'll happen? I think what happens is a lot of young women see videos like this and they'll be like, that won't be me. I'll never be like that. And then sure enough, come 33, they're like, I can't believe how right these older ladies were. But hey, man, look, I'm not a lady, so don't look at me. All I can do is comment on what these ladies are saying. And uh, I, hope, I hope this lady, it's, it's been a year. I hope she found somebody. She got a relationship. She's happy and living a good life on the beach. Hope she had a kid or something. And same for, thing for that lady on the treadmill, man. Good luck. Seriously, mean it. Good luck. Find somebody. And uh, I wish you all the best. And I'm glad. I'm, I want to I say to these ladies, thank you for putting these videos out there and telling people. Make sure the younger ladies know so they don't fall into that same pit trap. I made a video about this like a year ago, and I think it was like, I, I'm not going to name anybody. Some leftist groups are like, Tim Pool says women belong in the kitchen and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, every single time a new story comes out like this, and they still just want to play that narrative lie. Fine. I'll leave it there. All right. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I find it quite hilarious that they would call people on the right fascist or Nazis and then go and do something like this. From the Daily Mail, trans activists burn Harry Potter books. J.K. Rowling ridicules Australian campaigner over video showing copy of The Goblet of Fire being torched as Brit women's rights protester Kelly J. Keene leaves down under after violent clashes. The video showed Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire being torched in a fire pit. Oh, oh heavens, they've burned a book. You know, it's funny. The Nazis were not accused of burning Harry Potter books. They were burning a lot of books, books that they believed were degenerate and mostly were to, it was to get rid of the ideas. That's typically how it's framed, that there were ideas they didn't like, communism, degeneracy, etc., and they burned them. This is someone burning a fictional story having nothing to do with politics because they've decided later on in life they don't like the lady who wrote it. You know, I was thinking about the definition of woke recently, and we've been talking a lot about it. I'm like, this is a perfect example of wokeness. I'll give you an example of why woke is not a, a, a leftist theory thing. This is important stuff, right? Because you get a lot of people on the right being like, wokeness is defined by postmodernist theory and critical race theory and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. None of those things. This is what woke is burning an old Harry Potter book because you hate a lady. Woke is, to a certain degree, things like diversity, equity, inclusion. That I get, but understand this. Well, first, let me define it for you. Most of you know my definition. It is the modern left liberal culture created by algorithms on social media characterized by a cult-like adherence to tribal social orthodoxy, simply put. And the reason I can explain to you uh, why that is, um, in a couple ways. Let's talk about 
a left left wing individual, actual leftist who believes in leftist economic policy, who is not woke. Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore is great. Jimmy Dore is like, I want universal health care and I think we should tax the rich and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, that's left economic policy, right? Except he's not woke. He's like, hey, those things are bad and those are dumb. The military industrial complex is lying to you. All these people are, are thieves. And I'm like, OK. Then you have people who are not leftist economically, but who are woke. People like, for the most part, you could say Adam Kinzinger, kind of, these Republicans, someone like Joe Walsh. You get these former conservatives being like, I just think we should be fair and protect trans kids. And it's like, now you're a conservative. Do you really believe that? Or is it modern left liberal culture, tribal, I should say, created by an algorithm characterized by cult-like adherence to tribal social orthodoxy? Another really good example is Ukraine war. Would you describe Ukraine war as being woke? I mean, not really. But why is it then that woke people are all in favor of it? If you are woke and you come out and you say you don't support Ukraine, they will mock you. But that has nothing to do with postmodernism. And then, of course, my favorite example, I can come out and tell you there is systemic racism in this way. In the 80s, we saw blockbusting and redlining finally come to a legal end. But those practices persisted. This created racial divisions in cities, namely Chicago and places like St. Louis uh, and many others, where people were forced into ghettos or couldn't sell their homes for the, for the right value. And it is still to this day. There is a viral story of a black family that tried to sell their house and were, were given a, a quote of like, you know, 500K. And then when they asked their white friend to, to act as the owner, it was appraised higher. <clears throat> I was talking to this woke activist several years ago. She owned property in New York. And I said, uh, if a black family moved next to your property, would you sell? And she said, yes. And I'm like, now, hold on there a minute. You're like an anti-racist activist. And she goes, yeah, but I would, my, my investment would, would fall. It's not their fault. It's not my fault, but I'm not going to lose money. And I'm like, don't you get it? You are perpetuating that system. Now, just because these things are true doesn't mean I agree with any of their solutions. But here's the thing. I can literally come out on YouTube and say that and they will call me far right and say, of course, I'm not woke. Thus, the definition should be clear. It's a cult. That's it. So insane is the cult. They will burn a Harry Potter book for its symbolism. Nothing is accomplished by doing it. These people are just in a cult. And Democrats cater to them. I want you to imagine this. You're standing up on a rooftop of a building, surrounded by zombies. And on one direction, you have a bunch of troops and they're clearing out those zombies. And then up on top of that building, you say, those people, the military guys are going to come and rescue us from the zombies. And then the other person looks at you and goes, hmm, you know, actually, I kind of like the zombies better. The zombies are going to wipe everything out. Then I can do whatever I want after they've all been wiped out. I think the zombies should do their thing. And if I disguise myself as a zombie, I can move freely about and use the zombies as I see fit. That's what we're dealing with. Cleaning the streets, saving the city and country from the zombie horde, or putting on a zombie outfit and walking around going, bah, I am also a zombie. Ooh, that's what they do. Granted, actual movie zombies aren't real. And um, I love I was watching World War Z recently, 
And uh, the, the movie is basically he injects himself with a terminal disease because the zombies won't try to infect you if you're terminal. And then they use that to make some kind of vaccine or something like that. I don't know. But there's a bunch of movies where they did it. Like in uh, Shaun of the Dead, they're like, how come the zombies don't attack each other? So they start acting like zombies. And then the zombies leave them alone. The zombies only go after people who don't look like zombies. That's the thing. You can be woke, but be capitalist. And they won't call you fart right. Fart right. Fart right. They won't call you. They, they'll, they, as long as you agree, if you come out and you say, you know, kids should get sex changes and then, but also you think there should be, you know, more free market stuff, they'll say, well, you know, I humbly disagree, sir. But do the opposite. Come out and be like, we need socialist government. And also no sex changes for kids. They'll be like, you're far right masquerading as a leftist trying to, that's how it works. That's how the cult works. I want you to, I want to, I want you to ask yourself this and ask your friends and family. Are they going, you know what they're going to say? Look, there's a bunch of other books that have been burned and they're going to say, oh, it's just one person. Who cares? So what? This is indicative of the behaviors that surround J.K. Rowling, who simply said women deserve rights. That's it. She said, I love and respect trans people and think females deserve spaces and rights as well. And they said, you bigot. No, they don't. It's funny because like the end game of what's going on with all the trans uh, rights stuff is ultimately going to be the removal of rights for women. Now, I personally uh, want nothing but the best for transgender people. It's not like there's, there's, a, whole, there's a whole lot of them. And I'm not saying to be mean. It's, like it's, it's a relatively rare phenomenon that gets a lot of uh, attention. And I think the reason it does is because of the fear of social contagion. Because many of the people who are trans are trans not because of some kind of biological function, but because of a social function. That just means we need to help these people. We need to make sure that if we're going to actually address this properly, we are not just being mean, nasty people to people who are suffering something. But that also means, and I think fair point, that we have to be serious and stern and set standards for which we will not accept. And it, that, that means if we have people who are going to throw bricks through windows, set fires, attack people, cancel people, etc., we cannot tolerate that. Listen, I don't want a mob of, you know, online trolls on the right attacking trans people. And I don't want an online uh, uh, mob of leftists attacking families who are trying to say, I just want my kids to read math. I don't want them to read this stuff. I suppose only one thing you can do, though. Get out of the cities, get some chickens, homeschool your kids, because whether it's burning books because you don't like J.K. Rowling, which is hilarious, or, I don't know, nuclear World War Three, cities ain't safe places these days. So I got the, I got the heck out of there and uh, went to the rural, a more rural area, moving to West Virginia, building up a, a new studio, trying to get away from the chaos because it's just not safe. But more importantly, whether it's safe or not is less relevant. Out in the country, you can be more self-sufficient. You know what I love doing? You go outside and there are chives everywhere. They just grow like weeds. And you grab a handful, you chop them up, you throw them in your food. Mm. We made meatballs, made them taste so good. Those chives, no joke. Made some cheese dip. I think I'll make some cheese dip today, in fact. And it's great. It's great. We have chickens. We have our own eggs. You can get animals. You can get away from the cities, get away from the cults. And I think that's how we de-radicalize people. Get people back to nature. Make them more self-sufficient. You got to chop your own wood to get a, get a wood fireplace. You want to heat your home, save on gas bill? You got some wood outside? Cut up some wood. There's, there's stuff. You get, get a fire pit. You want to cook? Get an outside brick oven 
and you can use some wood from, you know, just and cook. Stop relying on these industries. What I find fascinating is that we used to be so much more self-sufficient, but now we're so reliant on massive industry and corporations. And there are so many things that we could do for ourselves we don't need. We don't need these big corporations for. Getting people back to nature will save them from the mind virus. It will make them more self-sufficient. It will, it will lower their carbon footprint. Win, win, win for everybody. Let's do that. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. In this video that's getting some viral attention, a trans man that is a biological female is upset and crying that people do not see this individual as a man and misgenders them all day. I want to start out by saying, please don't be mean to, to people who are suffering, people who are posting videos saying, you know, this is hard for me. We need to have sympathy and understanding. If you only give people an option to walk down the dark path, it's the only path they will walk, which means you need to be welcoming to invite people into the light path and bring them down a better place. Then they will, you will find new allies and people who will stand beside you because you were nice to them. There's a meme where it's a guy standing in the middle and there's a, there's a blue guy and a red guy. And he's like, I don't know, they're both making some good points. So the blue guy shoves him and he lands and gets caught by the red guys who are like, are you all right? And he goes, yeah. And they go, why are you siding with them? It's a meme exemplifying why so many people ditch the left. So you got to make sure you don't do that. So as I present this video and talk to you about the issue of being misgendered, I hope you all consider that you have sympathy for this person who is upset and feeling emotional pain. And then we figure out how we can help them understand the reality of life. In this tweet from Greg at Casually Greg on Twitter, he says, this person wants you to look at them and assume they don't want to be referred to as a woman. So the expectation now is that we're supposed to be mind readers. This is a zero sum game. Let me play the video for you and you can you can hear for yourself. Single interaction, conversation, everything. Just misgendered from the beginning of the day to now. I'm just fucking sick of it. I'm sick of correcting people who won't listen. I'm and I'm sick of people not seeing me. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. And then I'm like, oh well, if I went on tea, this would never happen. But I don't want to fucking go on tea. I just want people to believe that trans people exist and to look at me and think for a split second, like, oh. Maybe they don't want to fucking be called a lady. Maybe, maybe that's being trans is so fucking hard and so fucking exhausting. Like I have been misgendered all fucking day. Every she's crying because she's been misgendered. That is to say that uh, I shouldn't say she, he, they, I'm not sure what their pronouns are at all. Well, let me just start here. How do I address you? I am trying to be respectful, right? I don't know what pronouns you prefer. You say misgendered. You are clearly biologically female. You've not expressed to me that you prefer to be uh, called by he or they. For all I know, you are upset they kept saying he about you when you're not on testosterone. I just don't know. And I'm sorry, I don't. And there's no way I can know. So uh, that being said, maybe, maybe I just say um, person. So person is upset because person keeps getting misgendered. The assumption is... Outs, uh, other people interacting with this person must know the words they prefer to be called when we don't. I will say this. This person is clearly and discernibly, discernibly biologically female, for which 99% of people who have no idea what's going on with this activism stuff would refer to this person as she and her. 
Here's the challenge. This person lives in a fake world. And this is why we have to have for this person who's crying sympathy. Now, I have no respect for people who are violent and angry, but this person's not that. You know, I always I, I show these videos and I talk about these cultural videos. I always want to make sure I stress that point. When the woman is crying because she's 30 and she can't find a date, I have sympathy. She has not wronged me in any way. She has, I don't see a bad person there. I see someone who is upset and I want to address that. I want them to get better. I want them to be helped. For this person here who is biologically female and is upset about being, call, uh, being called the wrong pronouns, I'll say it again. I don't know what your pronouns are. And unless you're wearing like a big sign or a t-shirt or something, I don't know what you want me to say. I want you to imagine this. Imagine a <clears throat> large uh, individual named Pat walks into your, you know, you're working as a server at a restaurant or a bar and Pat walks in and has a squeaky voice and talks like this. So you say, is it a man or a woman? You don't know. No matter what you do, you got a flip, coin flip to insulting this person. You say, uh, sir, excuse me, I am a woman. You say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Assumed it might have been a trans person. I didn't want to be rude. So then you say she, and you get this. You're misgendering me. I am actually a man. It's like, okay, look, man, you know, we're all trying to do our best. No one's trying to offend you to take, to take an action against you to cause harm. No one is trying to do that. These people get offended when people aren't trying to offend. Offense. Offending. It's not, it, what, you got to think about what it really means to be offended. It is to imply that you feel attacked by someone's actions. But I can understand offense if someone is intending to insult. If this person went around and people were intentionally condescending and insulting, you can say, I am offended. Not personally, but you have taken an offensive action towards me. This is, this, this is it, right? This is the problem. This, 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 this female is not on testosterone. The only thing about this individual that presents as male is the double mastectomy scars. But not all women have large breasts. So if a clearly and discernibly biological female walks up to you and say, ma'am, how may I help you? 99% of the time, you will be respectful and correct. And for these 1% of people who are upset, you need to understand, my friend, and I mean this with all due respect, you are asking people to t change a circumstance that impacts a tiny fraction of the world, and that's damn near impossible to do. And it's not because they're mad at you, and it's not because they want to be mean to you, it's not because they are bigots, it's because... If I am trying to maximize the amount of respect I have for my fellow man, then I must use the pronouns for which a person appears and not for which they might feel I don't know. You, my friend, are discernibly female. In fact, the mastectomy scars could be a remnant of breast cancer. Imagine what a breast cancer survivor would feel. After being forced to undergo a double mastectomy and then someone saying, sir, how may I help you? Something the individual did not choose to undergo. Now, you want me to see a biological female with a double mastectomy and say, sir, man, he. There is a greater likelihood that I will be talking to a biological female who uses she, her pronouns or a risk that I would be telling a cancer survivor that you are now a man. 
I am not going to do that. And it's not because I'm mad at you or because I hate you. I do not hate you. I want you to be happier. But here's what I think you and many other people need to understand. The world of TikTok is not real. The community built online where people will look at you and call you a man is not the real world. And you will not change that. 99% of people will not have different pronouns. So look, man, it's like you, you, you can't change your behavior because of a small minority of people who may or may not exist. This is the argument made by the left all the time. They say things like, why are conservatives so concerned about trans children when there's only a few thousand? Well, the reality is a few thousand per year. They say, but there's barely any. I can say the same thing to those who are demanding that we put pronouns in our bios. 99.9% of people who did would just use normal pronouns. So for what purpose do we change all of society, create new forms, hire new staff members to accommodate a tiny, tiny faction of people? Now, I'll make the argument in the inverse. When they say, then why do you care so much about kids and, and, and trans kids when there's only in total in the past few years, tens of thousands? It is not the tens of thousands number I'm concerned with, but the ch a change and a shift in medical practices, which will expand that number. That's the issue. I don't want more suffering. I want less of it. I want these people not to be crying on the internet. But the problem is the only reason these people are going through this is because of social media. Because online, they tell you, you do these things because people find community online that will say, you look like a man and I will use your pronoun and say, thank you. Then they go to the grocery store and the person says, ma'am, instead of man. Or man or sir, instead of ma'am. Online, you can be what you want, but in the real world, you can't. You know, most of you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's other ways to look at it. Y'all know I've been playing poker a lot because I won't shut up about it, right? But man, online is a different reality. You don't see people's faces. You don't hear their jokes. You don't see them shaking. You don't see the sweat. You don't see their heartbeat in their neck as they're bluffing. The internet is not real life. It is a plastic facsimile, and you will not experience the same thing in the real world. I mean, Mike Tyson, what did, what did he say? The internet has made people uh, 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 okay with saying things that normally get them punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. So these people go online, they say nasty things, go out in the real world and say it. Yeah, please don't. The inverse is true. People who say nasty things go out on the internet, on, on the internet, would never say it in real life. But people who experience, you know, being called she, her, they, them also won't experience that in the real world. The internet is not real life. Only a little bit. It's a shadow realm. It's a reflection of the real world. It, doesn't have an it has an impact, but it's not the same. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.